Take your Bibles tonight. Please join me in Acts chapter 2 as we keep absorbing from the book of Acts. We are currently in chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost. Of course, with that comes a lot of controversy, at least for some. I've already given my opinion that I don't feel that the day of Pentecost is the beginning of the local New Testament church, as many will dogmatically declare. I think there is plenty of biblical evidence to support that the church began before the day of Pentecost. I personally believe it started, and we're talking about the New Testament church here. Some people say, well, the Bible says the church in the wilderness. We're talking about a local New Testament church. And when Jesus went up to the twelve, he said, follow me. He called out twelve disciples. And that's what we are. We're a called out assembly. Also in this chapter, we've talked about the importance of learning to wait. How these believers were commanded to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. They were to wait for the promise of the Father, which was to be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it's all about Him. He said, wait, I want you to go, but I need you to wait because you need to be endued with power from me so that when this happens, you're going to know it was of me. And last week, we talked about the blessing of being of one accord as a church family. God doesn't want any divisions among His people. He sets the bar very high. He doesn't want any schisms in the body. There were issues that this church could have divided over if they had chosen to. They could have gotten sideways about Matthias being selected, but they didn't. They stayed focused. They kept their eyes on Christ. They stayed of one accord. And then God is going to move supernaturally. So we can see a pattern here that we have to get the divisions out, be of one accord before we can expect God to do something miraculous such as what we find here in chapter 2. All of these thoughts so far, they've come from verse 1, but I want to move on to verse 2 tonight and begin to look at what took place on this very important day in church history. But even though we're going to look at verse 2, let's read down through verse 13. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, in Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, in Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, do we hear them speak? in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. 
The church in Jerusalem has obeyed the Lord's command to wait. They are now 50 days from Passover. They're just over a week from when Jesus ascended. They've been in prayer. They're meeting in one place. They are in one accord. And then notice in verse 2, suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. In a manner that they were not expecting, God manifested Himself suddenly. They knew to be waiting, but it is unlikely that they would have known the manner in which the Holy Ghost would have filled them. They probably had no idea how this event was going to occur. And this was such an important milestone that God made sure they knew that it was Him who was at work. There was no doubt about who orchestrated this miraculous outpouring as the Bible says it came from heaven. This event was so undeniable that it would have convinced them that the promise of the Father had arrived. It was unmerited. It occurred unexpectedly. And though it was certainly undeserved, it was clearly and undeniably a precious move of God among His people. And this is how God moves and works. For some time, maybe even for many years, God will be at work behind the scenes. But then all of a sudden, God begins to work in a speed we never really expected. And it is often that suddenness of God at work that convinces us that it is of God. It happens in such a way and with such a a speed that we're left to conclude there's no way we could have orchestrated all of this. Noah preparing the ark, then suddenly the flood. Moses on the backside of the desert, then suddenly the Lord spake from the burning bush. The children of Israel being enslaved in Egypt and then suddenly being delivered out of bondage. Wandering in the wilderness, then suddenly entering the land. David being anointed king and then years later suddenly becoming king. Christ being born, then suddenly being manifested in Israel as John baptized him. Saul of Tarsus who had been kicking against the pricks suddenly on the road to Damascus met the Lord Jesus. And one day, after us watching and waiting, suddenly our Lord will return. Whoop! God delights in moving suddenly. Maybe you've experienced this, the suddenness in which God will sometimes work in your life. I have seen this aspect manifested in my own life. You're going about life. You're gathering with the saints. You're in the Word of God. You're in prayer. You're staying faithful to what you know to be faithful to. Yet deep down you're wondering, is God ever really going to use my life? He might be using it at the time, but is He ever going to use it in a manner in which you feel like God put in your heart this desire for Him to use you? And then suddenly, God is at work in ways that you never thought were going to be possible. Everything begins to speed up. You may have had the promise of the Father. You may may have sensed that God is on the way 
But it rarely plays out the way you expected it to. That's life. Usually it's because God wants us to know it's all of Him and none of our doing. I sensed in 2003 God calling me to be the pastor of this church. I've said before, God wasn't calling me to be just any pastor. He very definitely was calling me to be the pastor of this church. I wasn't going to go down the road and be the pastor of another church. I don't want to give you my testimony all over again. You've heard it, but 11 years passed. And I had a promise from the Father just like these did. And I thought perhaps God was done with me. I made my plans to live in Tennessee. Tried to build. We talked to Barbara at the bank. And when you live in small town USA, it's Barbara at the bank. Amen. It's, it's not the loan officer. We talked to Barb. And um, it just never worked out. And... We were actually in Tennessee when I received a call. My phone was turned off because I was in the military and I despised being bothered on my leave. And um, can't do that now, of course, so God's got the last laugh, amen. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> turned off my phone. We were sitting around the campfire with my parents. The next day, I think we left. I can't remember. It was pretty soon after that. Got in the car, turned on the phone. Had a message from Pastor Williams, and he said, I want you to come up and preach the God and Country Rally in 2014. And so we were, that was, that was Memorial Day weekend in May of 2014, and, and so we had that call. I, th I think it was, was it already Memorial? Yeah, I can't remember when it was, but anyhow, uh, at first I told Adrian, I said, I don't think this has anything to do with, with being a part of liberty in the future. I think preacher just needs somebody to come and preach, amen. Preacher slip, and he can't remember who to call, so he called me. <laughs> and, um, and so we... As time went by, I remember, I remember looking at Adrian on the back porch in Mississippi saying, I'm starting to get a feeling something's up. And believing the door was still open. Well, we, we came up, we preached, and some of you were here for that. And it was clear at that trip God had something more than I thought. I can tell you this, Pastor Williams never told me I was going to be the next pastor but enough was said that I knew the door was open. So when Adrian and I left to, from here to go back to Mississippi, and, and it was so funny, we were so looking forward to getting out of the heat and humidity of Mississippi, and when we came here for that God and Country rally of 2014, it was like 90-something degrees and humid, remember? It was brutal, and I'm like, man, we wanted to escape this. Anyway, we were driving away, and we said, well, if the Lord wants us to be in Rapid City, we'll get orders there. That was in July. By January, we had orders back to Rapid City to report in June of 2015. We showed up not knowing for sure if I was going to be called to the pastorate, but we at least sensed God was about to make it clear one way or the other. Finally, after years of prayer, this was going to be answered and the door was going to be shut one way or the other. Uh, I arrived here thinking I still had four years left in the military, but then in, re in September, I got here in June and September, I received a call that I had to go before the med board to see if I would be kept around for service. If you're in the military today, let me tell you, get all you can out of the military because when they're done with you, they're done with you. Right. And it felt like a sucker punch after I gave 21 of the best years of my life physically to the, the military. When they were done, they were done. They said, get out of here. So anyway, late November, some things transpired here at the church. Some of you were here for that, and something was up. I knew my answer was closer now than it had ever been. And some of you were here in January in 2016. How many of you remember this? Preacher got up that morning, and he said, I'm going to preach to you a sermon Ten, people's who, ten people whose names were changed in the Bible. 
And I'm not being disrespectful, but at that time I remember thinking, we're, we're going to get a message today. And pastor had gotten to the third name. He leaned back, closed his Bible, and he said, I'm no longer your pastor. You could have heard a pin drop in here. How many of you were here that day? Do you remember that? Yeah, several of you. And I, I'm sitting over there about where uh, Tim Wells is, and I remember just, because <laughs> I'm thinking, is this, is this really how this is going to go down? And, and so when preacher closed his Bible, he said, that's it, I'm done. I'm not your pastor any longer. Um, something was about to happen. And when, when he did that, suddenly, you hear what I'm saying? Suddenly, God was about to be at work. It was February the next month, almost exactly a month later. I was voted in. In April, I was notified I was being medically retired after 21 years, three years before I planned, and then in early June, I was out of the service. And what am I saying? I gave you all that to tell you this. What took 13 years to wait for all to come to pass suddenly all happened within four months. And after 13 years, four months was like that. Somebody told me this. They said, when you're waiting on the will of God, it feels like forever. And then when God starts to bring it to pass, you look up to heaven and say, God, slow down. I know what that's like. And you're just, at that point, you're just along for the ride. All I could do is hang on. God carried out His plan for my life. Now, what I want you to hear, church, is this. We have to stay prepared for the sudden move of God. His sudden move. We don't know when the Spirit of God will blow upon our lives or upon our church. But we can be prepared to catch it. Many have used the illustration, we must set our sails for revival. We must stay ready. Stay faithful doing what we know to do. Stay in a right relationship with God and each other so that when God moves supernaturally and miraculously, we will be moved by His power. That it would be all of Him. That we could sit back from that and go, there's no way I could have orchestrated all this. There's no way I could have orchestrated all that took place in our life. We can be assured that God is always at work, but we have to be ready for the suddenness in which God works at times. Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Acts 9.3, it says, And he... And as he, speaking of Saul of Tarsus, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined about him a light from heaven. Acts 16, verses 25 and 26, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. They didn't see the earthquake coming. They just did what they knew to do, and that was to praise God, pray. Saul didn't see the Lord on his way on the road to Damascus. It was suddenly. 
the shepherds keeping watch by their flock at night, they, they didn't think that night that they were going to see a, a multitude of heavenly hosts. But suddenly they did. You may not see it all coming, but God's at work. You may not know to expect something because of that day and hour knows no man but the Father. But I want to encourage you to live with one eye on the work that God has for you now that you know God has told you to do, but also one eye looking for the sudden, miraculous, supernatural, powerful move of God. This series through Acts was intended for us to see a church in action. That's what I want to be. So as we think about this event in relation to our church, let's do what we know to be doing. You say, what's that? I can tell you one thing for sure. It's just to fill Jerusalem with our doctrine. We have to be busy. Let's do what we know to do. While keeping our sails at the ready. Let's keep praying for a gracious move of the Holy Spirit upon our church. When it happens, there'll be no denying it was of God. It may be years in the making, but I believe that God is at work now behind our scenes. I believe that God wants to do something great in our midst. When He sees that we are of one accord, focused on Him, obeying His commands, ready to give Him all the praise, honor, and glory that's due to His name, suddenly, God will step down. He'll walk among us like never before. I'm not content with mediocre Christianity. I didn't... I don't want this to sound the wrong way because you don't really give up anything when you follow the Lord, but I didn't give up everything just to come and have church. Just to be a club, just to high-five each other on Sundays. I, I want to see God work. I personally believe God wants to manifest Himself to our church in a supernatural way beyond anything that we can ask or think. God still wants to save sinners. He still wants to rescue homes. He still wants to turn cities upside down. God doesn't change. Well, you don't understand, preacher, we're living in the last days and it's the spirit of the Laodicean church. So what? God does not change. He wants people to be reached so bad that even before the end, the Bible says in the Revelation that the angels will preach the gospel to the whole world. I know God wants to do something. I know His eyes are moving to and fro throughout the whole earth. I know that He's seeking a group of people that He can show Himself mighty to. This was a group about the size of our church. God came down. Let's be prepared. Let's be that church that's in one accord in prayer, crying out to Him, to show up. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> now, we see that this suddenness came from heaven as the sound of a rushing mighty wind. 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting. If I understand this correctly, we are only using the, the wind and the sails and all of that symbolically because there was not actually a gust of wind. There was just the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And by way of application here, we can say that when God moves in, He takes up all the room. He filled the entire room where they were sitting. A supernatural move of God is when He fills the house entirely. It's when God crowds us out. And it's interesting because God crowds us to Himself in order that He might crowd us out. When the tabernacle was completed, we read in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the tabernacle. When the temple was dedicated, we read in 1 Kings 8, verses 10 and 11, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. We'll know when God moves in because there'll be no more room for us. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the Holy Ghost in our midst in such a way that we would only see Him in His glory that it would not be about any one person, that we would not see any individual as it were, but that we would see God, see Him manifested. And may He fill this place with His glory so that we can't even stand to preach. We can't even stand to sing. All we can do is get on our face before God and thank and praise Him. Now, let me try to give this to you on a personal level. That was a church level, corporately. But when Jesus tabernacled among us, He was God in the flesh, we know that, but in His humanity, He was so filled with God that this is what we read in John 1.14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the, His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Just as Jesus' earthly house of His physical body was so filled with God that when others looked at Him, they were beholding the glory of God. So God wants His children so filled with Himself that others can see Christ's glory in us. Are you getting this? So filled with God that it fills our tabernacle. It fills our room. And God crowds us out. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God has taken up residence within our, our bodies, this tabernacle, this earthen vessel. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 16-18. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's an amazing statement. Jesus is saying, I will live inside of you. I will dwell within you in the person of the Holy Ghost. And and, and when it happens, it happens suddenly. When we're born again. It, It happens very... It happens usually without any plan on our part, amen, because we can't dictate the Spirit to say, okay, now I'm going to do this, Lord. Uh, you better respond when Jesus is calling. Amen. When the Spirit is drawing. Amen. And, and we, we don't orchestrate it, but in that moment when we become a new cre- creature in Christ, there is none of us. He completely fills this earthly house of our body with Himself. Acts 9.17 And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. He, he had been told by the Lord to go find Saul and help him. And so Ananias went on the way, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. At the very outset of the new birth, he was to be filled. We become filled with the Holy Ghost and a change begins to take place. How many of you ever noticed somebody who is gloriously born again and you see them the next week and there's a different countenance on their face. There's almost a glow, if you will. It's the glory of God that is shining out from us. There's a joy, there's a peace which comes over us. Acts 15 or 13.52 And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You can't separate joy and the Holy Ghost. They were filled with joy. Why? Because they had the Holy Ghost. John 17, 22 and 23. This is Jesus praying. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that thou may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And then John 1, 16. And of his fullness have we all received. Of all that Jesus is, we've received that in salvation. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that moves in and we begin to be changed into His glory. It is the Holy Spirit who is at work in our life to conform us into the image of Christ. That's all great, amen? We love that, but... How many of you learned that there there came a point when you began to quench and to grieve the Holy Spirit in your life? Salvation was such a great experience and we were made a new creature. God took up residence and, and man, we were pushed out. But we still have our flesh. And we are tempted to fulfill the lust thereof. And it quenches the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And that, and that joy that we had, that peace, all of a sudden it's not like it was. What we end up doing is we become guilty of crowding God out because we want more of ourself. And we end up miserable because a child of God cannot continue in sin and 
have peace and joy and the fruits of the Spirit. It just can't happen. But God doesn't want us to stay this way. We must get back in fellowship with God. He's made the way. 1 John 1, verses 6 and 7, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 9, a little bit later, he says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want to tell you, church, I know that many of you would give a salvation testimony. And many of you would admit deep down you're not as right with God as you would like to be. And I want to tell you tonight that God has made a way. And if we will do what the Bible says, if we will walk in the light as He is in the light, we'll have fellowship. If we'll confess our sins, we'll be cleansed of them. We'll be right with God again. And we'll be filled with His presence once again. So what's the problem as God is looking, as He's looking to do a sudden move? Why isn't it happening? There must be a problem with us. According to Ephesians 3.19, we can know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. We can be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what that verse says. But we have to learn to die to our flesh. I wish everybody could have heard the sermon we heard yesterday at Youth Rally. God wants to fill every bit of our lives. God wants every room. He doesn't want you to have that one closet where you're hiding everything. Don't tune me out tonight. He wants to fill the entire house. And if you're not filled tonight, why won't you go to God in prayer and confess your sin? Get back in fellowship with Him. That's the only way we're ever going to experience the suddenness of God moving in a supernatural way. Otherwise, you'll just be this one who's always wondering, is God ever going to do anything with my life? Do you want to see God at work in your life and in your church? Then we have to get thoroughly right with God. Allow Him to fill us and overflow us. Now, we understand that while we dwell in this tabernacle of clay, we're going to struggle. We're going to battle things. We're going to be tempted. We're going to have our struggles. But there is victory in Christ. And He wants us to be of one accord. He wants us to be in one accord with each other and with Him. I believe we have a promise from the Father tonight. I believe He wants to do great and mighty things we know not. We sang the song tonight, Call Unto Me. Jeremiah 33.3 Listen, I believe God still in these last days wants to manifest Himself to Rapid City. I believe He wants to work supernaturally among us. Ultimately, there's coming a day when we'll drop this robe of flesh and we'll ever be with our Lord. And the place that we'll go to, the Bible says that there's no need for the Son. For God and the Lamb are the glory of it. It'll be so full of God that there'll be none of us. 
We'll be fully conformed into His image. We'll no longer disappoint our Savior for nothing evil can enter in there. No sin. 1 Corinthians 15.49 And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. It's all about His glory. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. It's all about Him. There, there has to be none of us. He has to fill the house with Himself. We must live in such a way that we can expect to experience the suddenness of God at work in our life and our church. And I'm praying, and I have been, the day will come that God will so fill this place, there'll be no room left for us. May we be filled with His glory until we're no longer seen. And it's like we've come down the mountain and our face is shining from being behind the dark cloud with God. And others know that man's been somewhere. Let's pray.